0: That's like hit and reply all when you just meant to reply or, you know, forward something to somebody. (laughs) Welcome to the React Native Nerds Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm John. Join us as we dive into topics you need to know about to become a better developer. Hey nerds, welcome to episode number 22. Now this one's going to be a little different because we had kind of a technology disaster. I have this new mic that I travel with now because I'm up in Pennsylvania for a week. And there was a whole bunch of clicking and clacking and noise on my end for our intro. Luckily, that all went away when we hit the main topic. And that main topic this episode is security and how you can secure your app in a bunch of different ways. We offer a bunch of tips. And uh, I think you'll you'll really like this episode. So here we go. We're jumping straight into the topic with no catch-up and no small talk. Lucky you. So our topic today is security and what you can do to secure your app. And this is a little more than um, the authentication or authorization flows episode that we talked about. This is actually how to prevent your app um, from getting dinked around with. I guess <laughs> it's it's the things we're going to go over are not going to be NSA hardening of your app, but mm-hmm. um, it'll probably keep the skip the script kiddies out and the casual hackers. So. That's what we're going to talk about.
1: Yeah, um, I think the first thing to get started with, and this is something I know I've been guilty of, is like, how do you store your sensitive info? Uh, and when I say this, it's so basically sensitive information. I'm talking about like an API key or something along those lines. Where, for example, maybe it's a uh, open source app, and you don't want that information out there just for anyone to grab but it's not necessarily super super secure stuff so let's say you've got an api key that's just like one small layer of protection so people can't spam your api Uh, basically the way that you could do this one you could just put it directly into your source code and the reality is with mobile apps nothing is really secure on your app because anyone can kind of like look at the, the bundled code and find that if they're willing to look that hard. But if you don't want to have it in your source control, which is, you know, very valid, there's tools like reactnative.env or Config, which will allow you to have a separate env file, which you can share internally via password manager or whatever. And then you can just go ahead and reference, you know, URL or environment.staging key whatever it may be you can basically use this to pull those pieces of code outside of your actual application and have that as a separate means to access it on both the native side and your javascript side and it's what i've really used stuff like this for is just different environments uh, so if i've got a staging environment i can just have my staging url all the the keys associated with that the different um things for like analytics or crashlytics whatever it may be I can have in these environment files and I can just point to these files based off the different environment I want to work on. But you can also use it as just like a basic means of not storing keys inside of your your actual application code so you can have it outside of source control.
0: This is really funny. We're going to make I'm going to make side notes on everything that I did wrong with my app because I totally <laughs> had a a JS file that was basically just a big config array with all of the api information in it so you totally could have just looked there and uh, grabbed all of that from my conference app this is fun <laughs> yeah this is everything john did wrong with his app so I should... I should call this episode <laughs> yeah
1: well see the thing is i've done all of these as well and i think a lot of people do this because basically everything we're walking through is based off of a blog post in the react native documentation that outlines security it's basic stuff but you know, everything we talk about here, I'm guilty of doing. Um, I just tweeted the other day, or in response to a tweet, kind of like, what's your biggest coding screw up or something along those lines? And basically, I had a situation where I would comment the staging and production stuff out between, like, which environment I wanted to work on. And this was for push notifications. And I was coming in as a consultant <laughs> oh, on I this project. I saw this tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh so basically it was set up for the production environment and and the the push notifications are going to the production environment i didn't know they were separate i thought it just kind of you know worked uh never never assume when you're not working on another on your own code base but basically i was testing out push notifications and things weren't working or i should say push notifications were not working in my development environment i was getting frustrated so i was sending increasingly more frustrated push notification uh, messages trying to figure out what the hell is going on well apparently it was only me who wasn't getting these push notifications and all the the internal team it was an all remote team uh, they were all getting the push notifications i was like okay my bad i didn't know that um, but i didn't feel too bad about it until we started finding out customers were getting those and investors so obviously that was a, a big issue so if you're kind of a, a dumbass like me who doesn't check your code using this reactnative.env could save your ass if you're, you know, working on that staging environment and you don't want to be sending your frustrated push notification uh profanity-ridden push notification messages to your entire production. Profanity-ridden
0: push notifications to investors. Ye, Dude, that's yep. awesome. That's like it the was, best story ever.
1: Yeah, it was um
0: That's like hit and reply all when you just me- meant to reply or cc's or you know forward <laughs> something to somebody <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah I it was so hard when i read that tweet thread
1: <laughs> man it was that was that was one of those issues where i'm like okay
0: did you make it onto syntax because they were they were asking for those horror stories
1: i don't know how, i don't yeah. know that they've done that um okay. episode yet i have to check
0: All right. i hope i did that's i know the best
1: yeah i know scott a little bit so maybe he'll put in a good word for me on getting that into the episode we'll see yeah I don't know. It's funny to look back on, but man, I was—I felt so stupid after that one.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Did you get hired? So, no, I worked with them for like eight months.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, Good. I kind of got the the lead developer there hired, so it was I kind of had like some uh, leeway there.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We we put some new processes in place, like Reacting <laughs> no EMD. Yeah. So um, another one is. Outside of your development stuff, it's like, what do you do with user data? For example, a user's auth token, once they sign in, where do you store it? I've put this in async storage for years. Just kind of didn't think about it, toss it in there, no big deal. No good. I mean, your async storage is supposed to be basically, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? like scoped just to your app so no other app can access the async storage or the data you're putting into async storage but if somebody has your app and they you know hackers do what they do and they access information you can grab someone else's token or grab another user on that device's their token whatever it may be Uh, basically don't put sensitive information into async storage It's very easy to use secure storage method like Expo Secure Storage or React Native Keychain or React Native Sensitive Info, which will then put those pieces of sensitive information into the proper place. So basically on iOS, that's going to be your keychain services. On Android, your shared preferences. Those are going to be the places where you put data that should be encrypted and should only be accessed by the correct people. Uh, So basically tokens not in async storage, put them in secure storage.
0: Yeah. Did you go back and do that for your app? You mentioned yeah. When we were talking actually about the Expo Secure Store, you said that you were going to go back and retrofit that in.
1: Yep. Gone ahead, done all that. And uh, I'm going to try to remember to do that the first time going forward.
0: Yeah. Good tip. Yeah.
1: Um, let's see. One other thing I want to talk about is... I guess, deep linking for authentication. And this kind of goes along with the that same note of storing user data. But basically, the way deep link works is you could have, you know, my app colon forward slash forward slash, just like you would have HTTP or HTTPS. That's what designates a deep link. These are not secure things because nothing that you're doing is actually saying, this is mine and nobody else can have this, uh, basically this protocol. And... If you want to have like a a magic link, so like Slack does this really well. They have Slack magic links where you put in your email address, they send you an email, press the button, it opens the app and you're signed in. I've done this in the past using deep links. I didn't think much of it, but if a malicious party wants to intercept those authentication tokens, they could create an app that someone installs some way that uses that same protocol my app colon forward slash forward slash and then the actual device needs to figure out okay which app do i open if they choose the wrong app that information is now being sent to the malicious parties app and they now have that auth token or that refresh token whatever it may be they have information that is secure to your user so the way you can get around this is by using universal links and basically what universal links are are saying given this domain name so Uh, myapp.handlebarlabs.com, for example, that is my domain. And when you do that, you have to set things up on the server side to basically verify that domain name. And when you do that, basically your domain name, your universal link, it will either open up the web app if you don't have the app installed, or if you have the app installed, your device will see that and basically associate that and see, okay, we can open up this app based off of this universal link config. Uh, and that's that's the way that Slack has secure magic sign in link.
0: Right. And why this doesn't happen with normal URLs is because you can actually register normal URLs and they're unique. And, you know, Spencer could create a spectrum colon slash slash and I could create a spectrum colon slash slash and potentially, you know, infiltrate his app using my app mm-hmm. and. You know, there's some really good articles online on um, how this can be done if you're actually interested in trying something <laughs> like this for educational purposes only. Right.
1: White hats only.
0: Absolutely. Um, but it, it is actually really interesting. And then they, they explain why the universal links help to avoid the issue and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And sort of piggybacking with that, um, when you're dealing with network security, SSL pinning kind of goes hand in hand with that. And again, this is, it's kind of complex but once you see how this works uh, it's fairly straightforward and and easy to understand how it could protect you from a man-in-the-middle attack and basically a man-in-the-middle attack is similar to the auth and the deep linking um, attack where someone could actually you know forge an ssl cert self-signed and infiltrate you know and um, essentially make your app I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this. So there will be a link in the show notes along with a really kick-ass video that I watched that explained all of this. Um, and SSL pinning, what that allows you to do is actually take the certificate and literally pin it inside of your app. And instead of when the SSL cert negotiates, it's saying, oh yeah, you're, you're SSL, I'm SSL, your cert looks good, let's go on. Now with it pinning, it says, okay, I'm SSL, your SSL, Oh, there's your cert. Let me check the cert that I have pinned inside here. Huh. Oh, nope, that's wrong. And then you can make your app do whatever you want. Either just make it non-responsive. You could close it. You could pop up an alert. You could notify you as the author of the app that this is happening. Whatever. Um, or, you know, obviously if it matches, then you go on your way. So it's like an extra lock, and it's actually really cool and very straightforward to do. There's, um, there's two different packages that I looked at. Uh, There's one, um, and I'm really going to only talk about the one that uh, I started to implement. And I was just playing around with my conference app because I do SSL hits with APIs. And this is great for, especially for API calls. And um, it's by Max Toberman. So if you Google Max Toberman SSL pinning or just look at the show notes, I'll link over to it. And it's a super straightforward way on how to do this. There's, he walks you, he holds your hand. This is, this is probably why I picked this one to talk about because um, he tells you exactly what keys or what commands to run on the terminal to generate the key and to pull the cert out of the key and how to pin it into your app. And it's it's super straightforward with the iOS and it's mostly straightforward with Android. And the, the key with SSL pinning is that you, you wanna pin the key to the app. I know I just misspoke. I'm thinking about everything that I just said not the cert because the certificates expire and if the cert expires, your app will be dead until you can repin the new cert Mm. and then re-release your app. But if you pin the key, the key will cycle with new certificates. So um, I'm going to re-say what I said when the SSL negotiates, it'll say, Hey, here's the cert. Here's the public key, check the keys. It'll check it against the cert and then you're good. So, you, I, I'm going to say that again, you want to pin the key, not the cert, because the certificates expire. So, um, and all that is actually outlined very, very well in, in the GitHub. It's just an NPM module you can add to your project, and then you go through some specific steps for iOS and a couple other ones for Android. And then you're golden. You hit, you know, a, a SSL URL, and you know for damn sure that, that it's secured and it's what you're expecting. Interesting. Along these lines, um, You can actually obfuscate all of your JavaScript because React Native, you're writing JavaScript, ES6, and you can go down through and actually obfuscate all of this. If you, and try this at home, this is fun, create an IPA (laughs) file or an APK file, whichever one you want, or both, rename it to .zip and unzip that bad boy on your, your file system. There is no APK type file. There is no IPA type file. They are just basically zip files underneath and all compressed. Huh. <laughs> so so when you expand out your app and um, then you dig down through and you find your bundle, that's all of your JavaScript. And you can see all of your code. You can see all your API keys. You can see all your secrets. You can see all your love notes and all these other things that you, you put in there. And so the obfuscation will actually, you can add, you can do this a couple different ways. You could take your bundle, you could obfuscate it with a commercial, you know, upload it or maybe you have software installed separately outside of your build process, have it all obfuscate and then drop that bundle back in, zip it all up and then push it to the app store. Or you can actually, um, there's a couple packages that you can install that are also in the show notes and you can add them to your build process. You, you drop them in and then you go into Xcode and you set up your build and you point it over there. So during the build, it will actually just totally scramble your code and then create the bundle and then create your IPA file and push it up. And the same with APK. Huh. However, the one that I used, they had three different levels. It was actually kind of cool. You could set high obfuscation, which would be lower performance, because you will take a performance hit because the app has to sort of decode things on the fly and figure all this out. So you can do high obfuscation, low performance, you can do medium and optimal, or you can do low obfuscation and high performance. So you can play around with those and actually then go unzip your, your IPA APK files and take a look to see what all that looks like and you know sort of target which one you want, low performance, optimal, or high. And so I actually did all this and it's actually, it's very fascinating because it looks like garble when you're done, (laughs) especially the high obfuscation, low performance. It is just total crap in there. And I'm sure it's undoable because obviously the app figures it out. So Mm -hmm. it's not going to stop a hacker hacker that really wants in on your app, but it'll probably sideline somebody that's just toying around, you know, a hobby hacker, a script kitty, whatever you want to call them. Um, or just I mean anybody that just wants to play around you know you could you can pull an app down off the web and decompress it and take a look to see how they're doing things if they didn't do any sort of protection you can see all that there's also um, jailbreak protection so with iOS you can jailbreak your phone load Cydia and then sideload a bunch of apps and things on iOS you can do this much easier on Android just put it in developer mode and then sideload apps uh, however, uh, Gant, friend of the show, Gant Laborde, created, and I had no idea he he actually created this until I was watching a, a video explaining it. A, a package called JailMonkey, and what that does is that runs a bunch of tests to see if the phone that your app is running on has been jailbroken. Hmm. And you know, there's just a handful. Uh, I want to say like five or seven different tests, and so that was that was kind of cool, and you know, if you don't want your app to run on a jailbroken phone, then you can add this package in. However, if you do that and you don't obfuscate, you can actually unzip, find the function where jailmonkey runs, comment it out or return true, and then, you know, pack it all back up and then it'll run on a jailbroken phone. So there's, there's like multiple layers of this depending on how serious and how secure you actually want your app to be. The obfuscation does have a downside because it's going to f up your crashlytics, because there's no real good way for crashlytics to figure out your JavaScript code, right? And so it's going to make that a bit harder to deal with. So you know, if you're interested in any of those, you can do some more in-depth reading. There are actually a bunch of tutorials and videos out there that show people setting these up and actually unzipping and showing where all this stuff is. It's pretty fascinating, actually, and you know, maybe that was part of the reason why I got so into this this past week because it was yeah. kind of cool stuff. Because you always think, oh, you know, it's an IPA, it's an APK, it's a binary, you can't look at it, you know, whatever. But it really isn't. It's just right. a you know, zip file of your directories. And the individual phones work out what it's supposed to run and where stuff is and whatnot. So you could potentially then, I guess, pull pull down, I'm thinking on the fly, pull down an app, maybe swap out some assets. If there's, like, images and things, you could you know, maybe pull down a game and swap out some game assets and, then you know, make your own game. You could probably do some pretty cool things if you wanted to play around with that sort of stuff. But yeah, That was kind of neat. I don't yeah, know that's a- that I have any kind of apps that are that important. But, um, you know, especially if you're storing uh, your your secret stuff in secure store or keychain or something like that, then, you know, that'll further take that out of your code if indeed you don't end up you know scrambling it or something like that
1: yeah yeah I mean a, a good example of this JavaScript obfuscation uh, <laughs> English is hard um, so it's something it's a big, word. It's a big we, word yeah Lots of <laughs> especially buildings. at this time on a Sunday evening my brain my brain's dead but uh, an issue we were having with spectrum was basically a competitor I think was looking at the implementation or trying to figure out the implementation of our app to basically download a bunch of data and like all this data is completely public, but obviously you don't want you know your competitors to go and download all of your data in mass to do whatever they want with it. So basically I think we implemented something. We, we ended up doing something on the server side, I believe. I don't know. It's been a while, but basically that, that was an instance of this. This is all public stuff. This is stuff. The client is fine with it being public, but, just as like one layer to kind of keep that uh, competitive advantage in the marketplace was one reason we implemented a few different security things. Just basically make it a little bit harder uh, for people to, st- I don't want to say steal our information because they're not stealing it, they're just using it. But basically just add, add some layers of complexity to their job.
0: Uh, right, because you have all those drug names and all the Latin roots and all that sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just like so, you so much. Potentially, you could potentially get all of that information or pull it right. out of your app if you hadn't protected that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. And then just, yeah, basically the the curation that goes on behind the med- medical directors within an organization. Like, how do they structure things and organize it? And what, what's their dosing or all that kind of stuff? I don't know. It goes beyond my head at that point, but it seems like they put a lot of work into that. So. Uh, we'll try to keep that as secure as possible. Um, but an important thing to note with this is like the your mobile app, iOS, Android, however you do it, it's inherently like an insecure environment. It's just like a web browser. Everything we've talked about and everything you're going to do in the app itself is just kind of a, a band-aid to ensure that you're getting the correct information from your server. Uh, if you've got a super secret API key that spins up, you know, 3,000 servers on your AWS account, don't put that API key in your mobile app because somebody will find it and somebody will rack up a $50,000 bill in your AWS account. Uh, So just remember your mobile app, despite it being compiled and uh, being an IPA or an APK file, people can still backwards engineer that and start pulling information out of it. So Basically, the, the security is going to be make sure you have that secure connection between the app and your server, and then any super secure stuff is actually happening on the server side versus the client side.
0: Right. This we're not NSA hardening our apps here. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're in that industry and the NSA is going to be wanting inside your app, you're going to have to do a whole lot more than what we just talked about because I'm yeah. sure the NSA can probably unpin your SSL pin. Yeah. And, you know, and, and get that man in the middle attack anyway. So just sort of, you have to uh, evaluate your app and, you know, what your risk factor is, or if you even care, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe it's just a super easy app and it doesn't matter if somebody can uh, look at your code. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, So So that's all I got.
1: Yeah. That's all I've got as well. If you want to go deeper into this stuff and really just basically everything we just talked about, there's a, uh, document on reactnative.dev um, we'll have it linked in the show notes that just walks through this and has links to all the variety of stuff we've talked about here on how you can start implementing this nothing's particularly hard here it's just things you need to be aware of as you're actually building this app and you know like we were saying earlier we both made a bunch of these mistakes in doing our implementation security is hard and it's just kind of an ongoing process of updating things and kind of keeping on top of this
0: yeah, and if you guys have uh, done any of these in your apps, we'd love to hear about that. So tweet us at RNNerds or email us, the nerds, at reactnativenerds.com or hit the website, reactnativenerds.com, find an episode and leave a comment. And leave a review. Give us some love. Yeah. We'll love you back. Definitely. I promise.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for joining us and we'll talk to you next week.
0: All right, see you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. You can get show notes and leave comments at reactnativenerds.com.